we're going to begin our journey with the four foundations of mindfulness, the Satipatthana Sutta, the four ways of establishing mindfulness, these different approaches that the Buddha shared or taught to liberate the mind. And in many people say all of the Buddha's teachings are contained in this sutta. And he described it as the direct path for liberation for of beings, for the surmounting of sorrow and lamentation, for the disappearance of dukkha. And it was the true way to um, to find liberation, to find Nibbana. And so it is a really beautiful teaching, and we'll be exploring this with each of the foundations the next number of nights. And the Buddha begins by describing the qualities that one should practice with. Ardency or diligence, clearly knowing and mindful, and free from desire and discontent for the world. So that was the frame that it was held in. And this clearly knowing is the sense of being fully aware, not just being mindful alone, but with understanding so that we know, um, we know our motivation, we know um, our intention. And this is really important because the Buddha taught that our practice was always for our own benefit, the benefit of others, and non-harming. So in a way, incorporating the precepts. And this um, stability and calm come from when the mind is unified and undistracted, when we're free from wanting, free from aversion, and what a relief that is, when the mind begins to settle and it can be relaxed and open. And you've been practicing today, being embodied, settling into the body, coming to stillness. And this is the first foundation, the embodiment of mindfulness, mindfulness of the body. The Pali is kayagatasati. Um, some of us here have sat with Bhikkhu Analio and he um, describes this um, translation of kaya gata sati, body gone to mindfulness. And so that the body is completely filled with mindfulness. Feel that settling right now. Allowing the body and the sensations of the body to fill the awareness and feel the connection with the earth. All the sensations in the body. And we're sensing this rather than watching the body or having thoughts about the body. It's this direct experience, this full presence in the body. The words patikayo, there is a body right now and exploring the body 
in the body as the Buddha instructed. That's the direct experience, not judging, free from concepts or ideas or beliefs about the body, the subjective awareness of embodiment. And as you continue to listen, keeping that continuity of embodiment, sensing into the fullness of presence in the body, dropping into this felt sense, immediate, moment by moment, and allow the release of all the images and concepts about the body. Our lives are filled with concepts about the body and so much suffering caused from them due to concepts about the shape of our body, how it should be shaped, the size it should be, what color the body is, what gender the body is, the age, the ability. All these ways that we can suffer because of cultural societal views of the body. So when we bring kind attention to the body as it is right now, we can include whatever arises. We can include our experience of the ways our bodies may have been rejected by society, by ourselves, by beliefs, and just settle in to this body held in kindness right now. And so really, we're bringing the attitudes Gil spoke of last night, of stability, of well-being, holding the body with kindness, and of confidence and trust as we let go of identities and really trust the experience of the body itself. Buddhadasa said, do not do anything that takes you out of your body. Whatever it is, whatever activities or thoughts, staying with the body. And the Buddha said, everything we need to realize about the world is found in the body. Don't need to go anywhere. Here, now, this body. And so, it's known as the body of awakening, this sense of presence, aliveness, fullness of being. There is a body, stability, grounding, being able to keep our feet grounded in the midst of all that's happening in our lives, 
the center of gravity being in the belly, in the body, rather than the center of gravity being in our heads, where often it is. But just that settling down. It's where we metabolize experience. It's where we enact the thoughts, emotions, moods. And so it's really important to know what's happening in the body so we have some ability to respond skillfully rather than the reactivities carrying us away. So in the refrain or the um, verse, the repeating verse of the sutta, the Buddha says, in this way, regard the body, in regard to the body, one abides contemplating the body internally, externally, or both internally and externally. So that's contemplating in this body, sensing that, and being aware of the bodies around you, the body of the earth, the bodies of other beings, internally and externally, and both. can sense that now. And then we abide contemplating the nature of arising in the body, of passing away in the body, the arising and passing of all the sensations that are happening in your bodies right now, the arising and passing of hearing, of the words, and then of both arising and passing away, this knowing of change, and then mindfulness that there is a body, patikayo, is established to the extent that's necessary for knowing and continuity, being able to keep this continuity of knowing and experiencing. And then finally, when we do this, one abides independent, not clinging to anything in the world. That sense of release, of unattached. And there are so many ways of exploring the body. And we're not just exploring the body to be mindful and present, but to understand the nature of the body. Hence the instruction internally, externally, and both. It's a way of moving into connection with life, with others, with the world. It's a relational practice. There's um, a science uh, news person in British Columbia, Bob MacDonald, who answers questions from the general public um, once a week. And someone called in and asked him, is the earth heavier now? with the population increase. And Bob <laughs> explained very kindly, well, actually, no. It's just a, the earth has, the earth is the earth, and all the materials and atoms and substances and chemicals of the earth are just changing form 
and recycling. The earth is not heavier. And so it's that understanding that we're not separate. We're part of life. Our bodies are um, processes, and body and awareness are not separate. And so when we can sense into this nature of the body, we don't feel so isolated. We're like re-inhabiting the body, coming alive. And when we include internal, external, and both, there's a deep connection to all of life that's not um, caught in this divisiveness um, that can happen and be so painful in our cultures. And the body teaches awareness of change. As we pay attention to the body as a whole, as you're doing right now, there are some sensations that may draw our attention. And we notice what happens to them, how they change, come and go, increase or decrease. We can be aware of that the arising breath has certain characteristics. The falling breath has yet different characteristics. Each breath is different. The sensations change. And some of you who have been practicing for a while are becoming more aware of this arising and passing, this momentary change of experience, this direct knowing that things change. Um, on a retreat that I sat um, about a year ago, um, I was paying attention to the ringing in my ears, the tinnitus, because on silent retreats it gets louder and louder. And, um, you know, there can be aversion to it. But as I paid closer and closer attention to it, it was like all these little moments of sound. Li the hissing was many little blips in time. And it was fascinating being aware of the changing nature of that. Because at first the th there's the thought, this tinnitus is permanent. It's not going to go away. But moment to moment, it's always changing. And so there's that sense of the changing nature of things can is really apparent when we're paying attention to the body. The body's continually showing us this flow of moment-to-moment -moment experience. And when we see that, it, we can see there is nothing to cling to because it keeps moving and changing. And the body's constantly responding to, through the sense doors to all these different stimuli. It responds to the internal sensations and external. We go out into the cold and experience the that experience come in and then it becomes warm. There's all this ongoing change. We can tense against the cold. We might be waiting in line and tense against that. The body is reacting. Maybe we have an unpleasant thought and there's a tension or contraction towards the unpleasant thought. 
often we notice our attitude is to resist or want things to be different. We're kind of tensing the body, almost in the expectation if we tense it, we can make something go away or hold it off. Um, or we want to be, we want the mind not to be agitated. And in trying to stop it become agitated or the body, we get more restless. And we, so we start noticing how by just being with the body and allowing it to, for the sensations to come and go, they come and go on their own. When we contract against them, they tend to increase. Something as simple as having the flu, which many of us experience. Um, at the first onset of flu, usually the tendency is, this shouldn't be happening to me, I don't want it. <laughs> and the body tenses against it. But eventually, there's a surrender. <laughs> this is how it is. It will take as long as it takes. And there's an ability to allow the sensations rather than tense against them. And then there's less distress. When we can hold things with kindness, they move and change on their own. And the more we know and embody the experience, the more possible it is to be with it and insight can arise. We can start to see how it is that we're feeding a difficult situation or increasing an unpleasant sensation and how a sensation fades and goes away. So as you're aware of your body right now, just scan it gently. Notice if there are any areas of tension. And what happens as you pay attention to them? Notice if there's a sense of the body leaning into the future or into the past. There can be a tendency for the center of gravity to move into the future or the past. Can we settle into the present moment? That holding that or that wanting the next moment that might be better. And just being here right now. Without trying to do anything, just simply to soften when there's tension or breathe into any discomfort. Sometimes we can make an invitation. May the body relax now and see what happens. May the body be at ease. And increasingly, we build the capacity 
to be in the body, to not leave the body when things become difficult, to be able to maintain stability, well-being, and for confidence to build. The Buddha taught many ways of practicing with the body, being with the breath, aware of the parts of the body, the postures, the activities, and so forth. And I'll just talk about um, some of these. When we're aware of the anatomical parts of the body, in the sutta it talks about being aware of all the body parts. And it's helpful sometimes to scan the body in this way, to be aware of the skin or the flesh or the bones of the body, how the body actually is. And in the sutta, sometimes it can seem like um, the Buddha's teaching aversion to the body, or that the, the um, inner insides of the body, the phlegm, the pus, the bowels, and all the secretions, these disgusting aspects of the body. But what the Buddha was really teaching was not to be caught in attachment or aversion, but th to know these parts of the body just as they are. This is just skin. The body needs it for protection. These are muscles, or the, or all the functions, the value of the body, but to know it as it is and not become attached to it as something that isn't going to change. When we want it to stay the same, we suffer. I can't see so well. I'm waiting for cataract surgery. <laughs> you know, all these various can't sit on a cushion anymore, etc. You know, all the ways that the body starts to change. But it's this is a body aging. That's all. When um, I'll hold that story for now. Um, the other thing I wanted to talk about was the elemental nature of the body. All the different material qualities of the body in the teachings, the solidity of the body, the fluidity, the warmth and the movement. And as you're listening, sense this in your own direct experience. The earth element, all that's hard, or soft, that's heavy, or it might be lightness, the sense of earth, sitting on earth, the feeling of feet in contact with the earth, of the bones, sensing the solidity of the body, the water element, the moisture, the cohesiveness. It can feel um, moisture in the mouth. Um, we can sometimes sense the flow of digestive fluids or even 
the sense of the blood flowing in the body. Our bodies are 60 to 70 percent water. All the cells filled with water. So it's the juiciness of the body. And then the fire, temperature, coolness of the body. Warmth. Digesting is fire element. And we can feel the fire element often when we're when we touch up touch our cheek. Sometimes the hand is cooler than the face, something like that. Or maybe they're the same temperature. We can sense these changes of temperature. The wind or the air element, movement. The movement of the chest as it expands and then releases. So pressure sometimes is air element. And then the subtle vibration of air element. The feeling of the air on your hands and face. And the Buddha taught for all of them to contemplate them internally and externally. And he said to Rahula, his son, contemplate each of the elements internally and externally and in yourself and in the world and see that they're not separate. It's just earth element, internal earth element, external earth element. And the same with air and water and fire and the space element to contemplate them internally, externally and both. And to know for himself, this is not me, this is not mine, it's just earth element. And it's a, it's a wonderful practice when you go out to walking, perhaps tomorrow, to walk, contemplating one of the elements. The sense of the earth beneath your feet, of the earth around you, the trees, the animals, the plants, and to know, not me, not mine, just earth element. With the air element as you breathe, and you can do that now, internal air element, external air element, and both. And to have that sense of not me, not mine, air element, space. And just to have that sense of spaciousness and being of the earth, an elemental nature, can bring a lot of freedom. And it's a training, really, in, in loosening our identification with body parts, with a sense of self, releasing this solid I, becoming less boundaried, more open to compassion, empathy, and connection. And as we open in this way, we're also able to release into the surrounding environment and into receiving support, support from the earth, support from the 
air and the sky, the groundedness of the earth, the openness of the sky, the movement of air, the fluidity, this sense of whatever arises can come and go in this space and not cause harm. And it help when we it, we need to be solidly grounded for the mind to become still, and yet also sense not being separate from the stillness. And when we allow the body to be part of limitless space, then whatever arises isn't felt so intensely. Anger might arise and be experienced as the as that as a fiery energy of warmth that can pass through the spaciousness, or a vibration from agitation or restlessness. All those different emotions experienced in the body and moving through this spaciousness, not having to be held as something static and solid, but letting the energies move through. And understanding and practicing with the four postures of sitting, standing, walking, and lying down keeps the continuity of embodiment and balances, as Philip was talking about this morning. Walking and standing are grounding and bring stability and um, help bring calming. And there's a flow of balancing the energy with walking. And also it helps us connect moment to moment with each moment of change as we walk, which builds our concentration. And also it helps us be with the difficulties that have come from our lives. Um, Some years ago, I was teaching mindfulness practice um, in the north of um, British Columbia um, to some um, First Nations um, people who had grown up in reservations and had many difficulties in their lives. And at first, um, I didn't have enough understanding, and I had them begin with sitting practice, and I rang a bell. And I didn't realize how triggering that sound of the bell would be. It brought back memories for them of being in the residential school and all the bells. And sitting in silence brought back memories of being silenced. And so what we discovered together was that walking practice outside, touching the earth, this step is safe. This step is safe. And being open to the environment and lying down on the earth. And so many different ways of embodying in a safe way and coming to a place of healing and respecting what, what's helpful for all of us to be with what's unfolding. And when 
we're embodied in all of our daily activities. Bhikkhu Analeo says, Kayagatasati is your good friend and goes with you everywhere. We can always return to this Im- sense of being embodied, whatever is happening, coming out of stories, thoughts, or whatever. Just this experience right now in the body, whatever kind of moment it is, pleasant or unpleasant, being with the body with kindness. And of course, in the sutta, there is um, corpse meditation, meditations on death, which I'm not going to include now, (laughs) but is um, a wonderful practice for um, also being alive and practicing opening to all of life, seeing death as natural just the return of our elemental nature to the universe. It's how it is. When, um, when my mother um, was dying a long time ago, um, at first when she became very ill, I was visiting her at Christmas and she'd said sort of her goodbyes to all the relatives. She was at home and I was sleeping in the bed with her, and she fell asleep. And when she woke many times, and when she woke up in the morning, she sort of glared at me, and she said, I didn't die. And she <laughs> had this agenda. She'd said goodbye to everyone. She knew that she had a terminal illness, and okay, that's it. <laughs> and I said, sorry, <laughs> doesn't happen that way. And so for a number of weeks, her body was gradually shutting down. And what was helpful to her was to see that for me to tell her, this is what happens when the kidneys shut down. The body does this and this. This is what happens when this system starts to shut down. And so she was able to be with it uh, with such openness. Oh, this is this change happening. We can't control the unfolding of our bodies. We can be with them with kindness and take care of them. And so our relationship to the body is really important. Here, in the body, observing it from the inside as well as the outside, it's healing to do that. Because we can develop a love-hate relationship with our body that's so cultivated in this culture. However our bodies are is not okay in some way, whatever the societal message has been. We might be seen as unlovable because of how our body appears to others and in turn internalize that and feel that about ourselves. But when the body's objectified, we disconnect from a sense of aliveness. And so, and we don't take care of our bodies too. 
when we feel disconnected. And so this reconnecting with the body is a way of taking care of it. Thich Nhat Hanh says, please take good care of your body. Allow it to rest and embrace with tenderness, mindfulness, compassion, and love. So much harm is done to bodies in this world. From reactivities of the mind, from opinions and beliefs and oppression and oh so many things where others are seen as not acceptable in some way. And these teachings and the precepts are about protecting our own bodies, protecting each other's bodies, protecting life. When we're fully connected, our bodies, minds, and hearts, there's no longer any urge to harm another because we sense connection. This is from um, Kitasaro, who was a monastic for many years and now teaches um, around the world. He says, the evolutionary imperative of our times demands we evolve from seeing the world out there, separate and alien from us, to directly knowing our intimacy with all things. This is a shift from a dualistic consciousness to awake awareness that recognizes that nothing is apart from anything else or from our deeper nature. If we harm someone, we harm ourselves. And we also need to recognize that when something happens to break the connection with the body, whether it's trauma, neglect, illness, deprivation, the body can no longer be a safe place to be. We don't feel safe inside. There's a loss of trust and safety. We don't feel those three things guilt mentioned. There's no stability, no feeling of well-being, and no confidence. And mindfulness is a way to heal that paying attention to the body. And the first step is taking care with compassion and holding the body in kindness. So as we practice, practicing with kindness rather than judgment. Some years ago, I was part of um, a group that was um, helping refugees from Bosnia, um, part of a group that was also going to Sarajevo and working with Bosnian women um, who had been traumatized, raped and so forth um, because of their ethnicity and their belief. And um, the, the trauma specialists had gone there thinking that they would hear their stories but what the women most needed was for their bodies to be taken care of. They wanted food and clothing 
and a safe place to stay and for their children to feel safe. They didn't want to talk about what happened. They wanted their bodies to settle in to a feeling of safety and for the hypervigilance and fear to begin to settle. And so we need to respect that need in so many of us to allow the body to settle, to reclaim this being at home in the body so the trauma and hypervigilance and fear can calm down. And we can do that. It helps to do that with our breath sometimes. We know that the parasympathetic nervous system is calming and that the sympathetic is activating and the sympathetic nervous system gets triggered over and over again by fear and trauma. So the body is on alert like this and that's harmful to the body. We become ill. And so when we take a slow out-breath, that's calming. It calms the whole system. And the Buddha, in um, the instructions of the Mindfulness of Breathing Sutta, teaches breathing in, aware of the body, breathing out, calming the body. Thich Nhat words it as breathing in, aware of the body, breathing out, taking care of the body. And the same with the mind, but we're focusing on the body. So this sense of calming difficult energies. And of course the body is a storehouse for all that's happened to us in our lives for the ways we've been harmed, the ways we may have harmed others, all the things that have happened to us in our bodies. There are energetic changes and patterns that get stored in the body, in the nervous system. And these tensions build. And so this, the, mind, the Satipatthana Sutta, this purification of beings, with each of the foundations of mindfulness is a way of releasing these stored energies. And sometimes we'll feel that as we sit. We may feel a releasing or a jerking in the body. We may feel um, some kind of vibration in the body. And, or in the mind, maybe there's emotional release or physical release or shaking that can happen as these things release. And we can allow that with kindness. We're not making something happen. We're simply allowing whatever it is to pass through. Sometimes we don't know what it is. And this is not an archeological dig. (laughs) We don't need to know, just to know that the Dharma is doing its work. There's an untangling and an unfolding as we just stay present with mindfulness and with kindness. Ajahn Brahm calls it kindfulness, this allowing. And we're not forcing anything. If things feel too intense, 
then we can back off or reconnect with the breath and just keep things simple. And as we explore the body, we're aware of energy imbalances. We talked about restlessness and using calming in the same way we can be aware of dullness and fatigue and 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 sitting up and being more alert can bring energy connecting and sustaining with the breath with the body can bring energy bringing in curiosity and so we find these ways of balancing the energy in the body in a way that's supportive and we'll be talking about these things more so we're not caught between using our physical muscles to stay present and getting tense and striving, but being relaxed and yet awake and present, the body open, relaxed, at ease. And just a few words about difficult sensations which it's hard to have a retreat without experiencing some difficult sensations. Um, The nature of the body is that it changes and that sensations are pleasant and unpleasant. Um, We age, we get sick and so forth. And so these things happen. And the unpleasant sensations have a variety of causes. They can be mild, they can be really severe when we have an illness. And it's being able to be with these with kindness. We don't have control over the arising of the sensations, but we do have control over how we react or respond to them. And our practice is not that we're paying attention to make the unpleasant sensations go away but more to be with them with kindness and to learn and experience how things change. We can breathe into a difficult sensation, release with the out-breath. We can notice where we're holding and contracting around it and see if it's possible to release. This permission to let go a little, to release with the out-breath can release any added tension. It's a great practice, this releasing with the out-breath. And we can name a sensation rather than calling it pain. And when we call things and be aware of the quality of it, um, the intensity of it, tingling, vibration, prickling, um, itching, sharp, dull, piercing, and so forth. Naming what it is. Sometimes we can feel like I have a block here. I've often used that, oh, there's a block in my neck or a block somewhere. The moment we use that word, it has a connotation of aversion and there's either wanting it to go away or a resisting and contracting around it. And if instead we just call it what it is, 
tightness, pressure, and be aware um, of what's how big that is, what it's like. The mind can sort of release around it, and it's less solid, less it's more workable. And we can treat it with kindness rather than aversion. And we can see its elemental nature. That can be helpful too, to be aware of the elemental nature of it and then the external elemental nature and to have that sense again of not me, not mind, just pressure arising or just vibration arising, unpleasant and so forth. And we can notice what sensations the mind chooses to focus on. So there's a choice. Sometimes we'll notice that one area of the body, maybe it's the shoulder between the shoulders, is really intense, but the rest of the body feels relaxed, soft, pleasant. Why does the mind go there? <laughs> and so what else am I aware of? And the mind begin builds the flexibility to be with what's at ease and not contract around what's difficult. And then we can recognize our capacity. Sometimes when there's a mindfulness is clear and strong, we can explore difficult sensations and be with them and uh, allow them to come and go. If the mindfulness isn't very strong and we're feeling um, doubtful or there are a lot of hindrances around, then it's kinder to pay attention to something else, to bring some loving kindness in not to force ourselves to be with a difficult sensation. So gradually, as we practice, we get more attuned to the body, attuned to the changes in the body. We can pick up the signs of tension and holding, of contraction, of releasing, even pick up the clues that um, we're identifying with something. And so we begin to fully be embodied, get to know the body's signals. So to summarize, we've explored the body internally, externally, and both. We've been aware of the elemental nature of the body and of the arising and passing of the sensations in the body, the changing nature. So the changing nature and the ephemeral nature and the lack of solidity, not me, not mine, and this sense of connection with all of life. It can be helpful to contemplate where where is the body? <laughs> or in a way, where am I in location to the body, embodied? And then how? What's the felt sense? What are the sensations? How is, it, I'm, how is the body being experienced? And then what? What's the elemental nature? And to just know this fullness of experience in the body.
And by doing that, by being aware of the body in all these different ways, we really can abide, not clinging. We can increasingly cling to less about the body, allow it to be how it is. And there's a peace in that. There's less agitation. And the mind is able to stay present with an increasing variety of experiences. And it's very healing. So I'd like to end with this um, beautiful saying from Ajahn Mun, which is actually in the Gratitude Hut. And so you can go down and read it and directly experience it over and over. And he says, in your investigation of the world, never allow the mind to desert the body. Examine its nature. See the elements that comprise it. When its true nature is seen fully and lucidly by the heart, the wonders of the world will become clear. So just close your eyes for a moment. In your investigation of the world, never allow the mind to desert the body. Examine its nature. See the elements that comprise it. When its true nature is seen fully and lucidly by the heart, the wonders of the world will become clear. Thank you for your attention, and may you enjoy being embodied.
Thank you for listening. To learn how you can support the teachers and Dharma Seed, please visit dharmaseed.org slash donate.